had Bible studies <laughs> to, to talk about all the things that you guys do wrong. Okay, that's, that was one of the things we did. When, we, when I grew up, John, yeah. we would talk about heaven. Heaven was a big thing, and sure. it is a big thing in the sure. Church of the Nazarene. What we talked about was the fact that when we get to heaven, there's one street that you go by, you, don't, you have to be real quiet because the Church of Christ people are there, and they don't know anybody else is here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I told that one myself a couple of times. Yeah. When I, when I, I got a, a little older and grew a little bit and realized there would be people from uh, many churches that are following Christ who would be in heaven, I, one of the things that I heard was all of us who have either, uh, either smoke or chew or kiss girls who do should not tell anyone from the Nazarene church because they don't think we'll that's be exactly there. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So, <laughs> um. Well, how do we get here then? I mean, if that's the story, how do we get here to sit on this stage and get here to Mountain Family Fellowship with six churches, you know? Awesome. Uh, it is yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's good, yeah. isn't it? And we, we kind of want to illustrate that for you a little bit tonight. Talk, we're we're going to use a different illustration for a moment. That We're going we're gonna to exaggerate it just a little, a little bit, ridiculous. I would say. Yeah. What, what's that? A little ridiculous. Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous, yeah, okay, uh, what we're about to do. But, but sometimes our churches have been a little bit like this. John, I love baseball. In fact, oh, me too. I grew up in Albuquerque, AAA team of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I was a Dodgers fan growing up. I love the Dodgers. We ministered in Phoenix for 10 years. And during those 10 years we were there, the Arizona Diamondbacks came to town. So we got to go watch the Diamondbacks. John, I am a National League man. I love the National League. I love oh. the purity of it. It's just awesome. <laughs> the purity of it. I kind of figured it. that. I yes. kind of figured you'd be a National League guy. Of course. I love the American League. Yeah. I, I'm a Texas Ranger. That doesn't Ranger. surprise me. Texas Rangers yeah. fan, you know, all the oh. way. Yeah, come on, come on, oh, come on. Oh, goodness. Texas Rangers, American League, we know how to play baseball well, in the American League. Well, yeah, but, you know, then you, you don't let your pitchers hit. You know, you have the designated hitter. The pitchers are kind of, yeah, they're a little, yeah. You know. oh, oh, yeah, Rick, they're, we love watching your league when we get to watch the pitchers get up it's and pure. strike out. Well, that's it's wonderful. Pure, that's just so entertaining. It's you know, pure. that's great. And it's you pure. think your pitchers are so great. They Did are. you know, do you know this? Do you know which pitcher in the Major League Baseball right now uh -huh. has has the lowest ERA the well, best ERA do you I'm, know who it is I no but I'm sure he's from the National League No no actually that's that's not true he's from the American League and oh. and his name is Chris Sale do you know what his ERA is Tell me I don't know either oh, but it's well, really okay. low It's really low It's way down there well, okay and yeah, I'll tell you this yeah. here's the deal what Go I'm ahead. saying is I, I'm saying you're so into this pitcher thing, but we're the ones who have the better pitchers, not you. No, well, well, but you're talking about batters. I mean, you know, the designated hitter, the guy who only, the only thing he can do is hit the ball. You know who the guy is in, in all of Major League Baseball who has the best batting average right now? It's got to be somebody in the American No, League. it's not. It's Troy Tulowitzki, Colorado Rockies National League. He understands yeah. what it is. You know, he understands the batting. Yeah, what, what, uh, whatever. Okay, I'll tell you sure. what. Let's, okay. let's just do this. Let's, okay. let's forget it for a minute about... Let's not talk about people or leagues okay. or teams for a minute. Gotcha. Because, I mean, here I got one last thing on you, and that is at least our mascot is not a snake. I read the Bible. Snakes are not so good. Diamondbacks, you know. But let's just stop I there. Don't, I, I actually don't, <laughs> don't see rangers in the Bible anywhere. <laughs> if we're gonna get I have some. no comeback for and, that. And, so, anyway. and by the way, I, I do think the Diamondbacks have a ring. Oh, let's move on to something else. I'll tell you what. Let's talk about. I'll tell you what I want to talk oh, please, about. Yes. Let's talk about. A baseball bat. I got a oh, couple of, of guys that are going to bring a baseball bat okay, up here. Okay, good. And I want, because here's the deal that I've noticed about you guys. Right. You guys don't even understand 
what a baseball bat is. I mean, I've heard you guys over there on your side uh -huh. talk about, you say you're so right, we're so pure, whatever. And you guys over there, you're, you're, you don't even use pine tar. Right here, we have a bat pine right tar. here, and you don't even use pine tar. Pine tar, John, if you use pine tar, pine tar's sticky. When you when the, when the ball hits the bat, you want the ball to jump. You don't want it to stick. I mean, can you imagine? Wham, and there it goes right there. I mean, come on, pine tar on a but bat? But if you, if come you on, don't John. have pine tar, then how are you going to hold on to the bat? How are you going to get no, no, your no, no, fingers no, no. around the bat? John, Rick. you put your fingers on the bat, the baseball's going to hit it. I mean, good night. How do you expect the guys to, to I mean. Rick, we're not getting anywhere here. You're right, This we're not. is ridiculous. It is completely ridiculous, John. This is ridiculous. Completely. And sometimes this has looked a little bit how we've had conversations in churches. Yeah, we've dug ourselves into one side and looked at our one perspective, and we've just stayed right here, and, and we haven't been willing to do anything else. So about, about a decade ago, or maybe more, maybe 15 years ago, some ministers in this village began to read John 17. And Jesus said, this is my prayer, that you may be one, that you may be one, so that the world would know that you sent me. Just as, you, just as you, Father, you and I are one. That's what Jesus said. And so what did they do? What did the ministers do? Rick? Well, you were a part of it. I was a part of it. In fact, when I moved here, one of the things that I really desired is to get to know some of the ministers in town and to be a part of it. And so I called one of them and said, hey, you know, I, I would like to pray together. I'd like to get together and do it. And you know what's interesting, John? There were three of us the first time I went, three of us. One of them was Jimmy Sportsman. Oh, there you go. Thank God for That Jimmy. was amazing. First time, honestly, the first time in my life I'd ever had the privilege of, of fellowshipping with, praying with a Church of Christ minister. And, and so what happened was, here, here, here they came. That's right. They got together, and they, and they went That's and said, right. man, Rick, it's great to see you, man. I can't wait to pray with you. I can't wait awesome. to figure out this John 17 thing and uh -huh. see what Jesus meant and, and what he's spend doing. some time together. And it is. Oh, oh, what, what is this? Well, that's bad, John. I have never seen this perspective in my life. I've been going to church all my life, and I've <laughs> never seen this. It's amazing, isn't it? N it now is. I incredible. see what you were talking well, of about. of course, hitting the ball, absolutely. Pine tar would be stupid. It would, it would be silly. <laughs> it, it would be. Rick. Yes. You're not going to believe this. Tell me. You've got to come over here. Come on. Because we're praying together, and we're spending time together. Come on. Come on over here. Man, alive. Now, believe this? I, I understand what you're saying. You pine tar there and you hold it. Exactly. That's it. That's oh. what I've been trying to say all this time. Awesome. Awesome. I get it. I and, get it. And here Rick and I stand tonight, and we have our... <laughs> yeah. Thank you, God. And here's the deal. Tonight, we still have... We have our differences. We do. We don't see everything the same. No, we don't. But you know what? There's one thing we do see. And that is Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. That's the answer. Jesus Christ. The gospel. Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection That's of right. Jesus. Are you with us? Amen. Are you with us? Amen. Yeah. That brings us together. So, thank these guys for, appreciate you guys bringing our prop up here. So, we are going to be getting into the word here tonight. That's right. We want to share... Uh, about our theme, and you see behind us here, the theme for the whole weekend is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that's what we hope in this weekend, that every time when we get together, we're going to read the word from John 14, 15, and 16. And the two men that are here that are, that are preaching the word, that's what we're going to talk about. What right. has God done? And so we're going to read from the text tonight, but just before we do, I'm going to ask Rick, if he would, to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher tonight. Let's pray. Father... 
What a privilege it is. Lord, even as Wyatt said earlier, we, we've been dating now for three years. We're learning this. We're learning each other's names. We're learning that, you know what, we're not different really at all. Oh, sure, we see things from different perspectives sometimes. But it's about you. Amen. It is about you. And Father, what we ask is, is that you would take the word, take our feeble efforts, and Lord, that you would do what we cannot do, that you would translate your word into our hearts, into our lives this evening. I pray that you'd use us. I pray you would hide us behind your cross and that Christ would be lifted up. And we pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our text tonight, John chapter 16, verses 5 through 11. Now I'm going to him who sent me. This is Jesus talking. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Amen. Amen. You, know, you know, the thing that really hits me about this, John, yeah. it's we're talking about He, the Holy Spirit. Holy it's Spirit. not an it. Right. It's not something, some nebulous thing out there. It is the He. John, you look at that seventh verse there, and in the seventh verse, look at what Jesus says. Five times mm. He uses I. Mm. He said I. You know what it tells me? You know what it shows me? It shows me that Jesus wanted, he was interested in us knowing and us understanding that he was involved in this, that this was something that he was doing on purpose. Look at that. Five times he say, but I tell you. He wanted us to know, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to go away. I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away because he said, lest I go away, unless I go away, the counselor cannot come. It tells us that he's involved with us. It tells us that he's here and he's Amen. a part of it. Yeah, he. He. And, and, and he, right there in, in, in verse, uh, uh, verse 8, mm-hmm. when he comes, he will. Try. See that little word? He will. Will indicates, it indicates action. Yeah. It indicates motion. It indicates that, that he is moving. And, and that's what we want the Holy Spirit to do. And that's what indeed he will do. Yes. He is going to move. I love the way Paul says it in Philippians. He says it in Philippians 1 verses 3 through 6. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident right. of this, that he who began a good work in you. The Holy Spirit, He who began a good work in you, He will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It is He who is working, and we are the ones who surrender. If there's any one point that Rick and I hope you get out of this whole time that we spend reading this text tonight, it is that we are not the ones who do the work. That's right. We surrender, and God is the one who does the work in us. That's right. He is the one. And that's what we hope more than anything that you get out of tonight. Now, what is it that he's doing? Well, he's convicting, it says. He will convict. And it's so important, especially, let, let me see your hands if you've gone to church pretty much all your life. Raise your hand. A bunch of you have gone, then this is really, really important for you. The difference in the word convict and condemn. 
Because this verse says that he will convict. This is what God does. God convicts us. God says to me, John, stop that action. John, I want you, I, I, I want you to change your behavior. John, I want you, I, I don't want you to walk on this pathway anymore. I'm warning you, John, about these actions that you're doing. These beliefs or behaviors that you have are hurting yourself and others. There's danger ahead. And all of the things that the Holy Spirit says are about behavior and our beliefs and about the path we're walking on. Mm -hmm. That's conviction. But let me tell you this. Condemnation, it's not about that. Condemnation is about you. That's right. You're bad. You are no good. You'll never be enough. You will never overcome. You might as well give up. You're a sorry, no good. Remember what Jim Carrey used to say? Loser! Do you remember that? You guys remember? You guys confess you watched those movies. Yeah, I know you did. Right. All right. <laughs> and when you hear loser, when you hear that kind of language, you know where that's coming from? That's coming from the accuser. That's right. That's coming from the devil. That doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. No. The Holy Spirit never, ever says those kind of things to us. I love one of the versions of the Bible, Rick, in, in this text. Instead of saying convict, it uses the word prove. Yeah. I'm going to prove it, that, that the Holy Spirit is going to prove it right. to us. And normally when we hear prove it, I'll prove it, we think of someone shaking their finger you know, and our, I'll prove it to you. You know, I heard about this preacher one time. He wanted to prove something to his church. <laughs> so he did this little deal where he said next week on Sunday, we're going to talk about lying. And when, this is preparation. Everybody needs to read one chapter of the Bible, Mark chapter 17. So he told them all week, I want you to go and I want you to read Mark 17. And I want you to think about lying. And we're going to be, you know, studying this next week. And Sunday morning they get there and he says, all right, it's time to find out. How many of you did what I said? How many of you read Mark 17 and the whole church raised their hand? Mm -hmm. And he said, that's interesting because there's only 16 chapters, chapters in, in the, the book, book of Mark. Mark. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You're all liars. Yep. I proved it to you. And I think that kind of preaching, I, I'm embarrassed to say I probably did some of that when I was younger, <laughs> but that, that kind of preaching is what we sometimes think about God, yeah. that that's what he's doing. I'll prove it to you about who you are and what you, how bad you are. But that's, not, that's not our God. No. That's not the Holy Spirit. You know what's so beautiful in the passage here? When Jesus is speaking these words, he uses a very important word. One of the things that I tell our people over and over and over, there is nothing in the word of God that is there by accident. When Jesus uses these words, he uses the word counselor. In, in some versions, it's comforter. But it's interesting because the root of that word literally means I will come to your aid. Mm. You know what a counselor is. I, I mean, all of us here know Pat. Pat Trimbley, man, an incredible counselor, Amen. an incredible man of God that God uses. You know, here's, here's a man, and when, when I think of a counselor, I think of someone like Pat. Man, somebody who's there to encourage me, to help me, to, to lead me along, to show me things that I may not be able to see because I'm blinded because of the things that I'm going through. And isn't it interesting? In talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus says to us he will be a counselor. He's someone who comes to the aid. But you know what's even more beautiful than that? It's not just coming to aid, first aid. It's not just that coming to aid, but it's the continuing aid. Mm. It's walking with us day after day after day. He continues to give us aid. He continues to do it. And you know what? 
He doesn't wait until we come to him. How beautiful is it? Isn't that awesome? He comes to us. He seeks us out. He seeks to give us that aid. So here's the counselor. Jesus said he will convict us of sin. Now, I want you to think about it in these terms, all right? Sin is the past. It's, it's the past. That's the sin. And it says that he will convict the world of sin here. And in this idea of convicting it of sin here, what we have to understand is sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve. We know that. We know that story. Isn't it incredible? John in the Garden of Eden. Now, obviously, we've never seen the Garden of Eden. There's no picture of it. I mean, we have the description. But in my mind, in my imagination... I see this incredible garden. I see the lush beauty, the green, the trees that are filled with fruit. And I mean this garden just surrounds them. The Bible says that God would come and walk with them in the cool of the evening. Here's this incredible garden that is there. All of these trees and all of these things. And God says, you know what? This is all yours. It's all yours for your pleasure, for your good. There's just one tree one tree and what did they do i mean they went to the tree that's one of the first things they did they went to the tree and and god says i will convict the world of sin why did they go to the tree well you know what sin is in fact you know what it comes down to it comes down to unbelief unbelief in who god is unbelief in what he says what did satan say to them did god really say he began to hey, make by them, the way, by cause the way, him to doubt. That, that was a diamond back, by the way. It was. Yeah, I just wanted to, just wanted to point that out. So okay, I'm, I sorry, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. No, I, shouldn't, I probably shouldn't have interrupted. That was a really important point. But okay. I think that it was a diamond back is an important point, too. And I, I just want to let you know that. I understand. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll talk about this later, all right? <laughs> Here he is. And he says, did God really say? He comes into our lives. And he begins to inject doubt. Did God really say? which leads to unbelief. And unbelief is the heart of sin. It's the heart of sin, unbelieving. God is God. Man, you, you stop and think about that. You, you're not God. I'm, I'm not God. One of, one of our leaders told us a few weeks ago, he said, he said, you know, preachers, he said, what you need to do is get up every morning, every Monday morning, excuse me, every Monday morning, and look in the mirror and say these words. I am not God. You know what? We're not God. But what sin does is it causes us not to believe God. Yeah, as a matter of fact, John chapter 6, verse 29, mm-hmm. the, the disciples asked Jesus, what is the work that we must do? Yeah. What is the work that we have to do? Yeah. And Jesus answered them, I'll tell you what the work is. Believe. To believe. That's right. That's right. To believe. It is hard work to believe, and it's important, and it matters. It does. And, and that's the root of sin. That's exactly right. The second thing that he's convicting us of, along with sin, the second thing he's convicting us of is righteousness. Yes. In the present, right now, today. And in that text, back there in John chapter 16 where we read, he says, righteousness because I am, this is Jesus, righteousness because I'm going to the Father. He says, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to be resurrected. And that's going to convict people of righteousness. I can't tell you guys... And Ricky, you and I have talked about this. I can't tell you how many years, even though I, I said I wasn't doing this, deep in my heart, I was trying to do the balance. I was trying to say, maybe I've done enough good to be righteous. Maybe I've done enough things, you know, gone to church enough, done enough, gone to enough camps, whatever, okay? I've done enough of these things, and, and maybe I could be righteous. And I have finally in my life, 
in probably the last decade, been convicted by the Holy Spirit you know what? that I am only righteous, only righteous, yeah. because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know what? That's, that's another thing we have in common because mm-hmm. that's not a Church of Christ thing. That's a Naz thing, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we want to call wanna, yourself a Naz? A Naz. I didn't know that. Oh, I learned something new. A Naz. a Naz. That's it, man. <laughs> <laughs> but we do. We try and earn it, don't we? We try and make ourselves, you know, yeah. well, I've done this and this and this and this, and hopefully it outweighs that. Man, that's not it. It's not it. Righteousness. Righteousness is only it's in given to us. That's it. Given to us because of the work of Jesus on the cross. It is. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to convict the world of judgment. Mm, right. We know judgment is coming. That's the future. We understand and we recognize that judgment is coming, but listen to what he's talking about here. He said, I'm going to convict the world of judgment because the prince of the world has already been judged. Mm. You know what? Yeah. He's been judged. <laughs> That's it. He's done. His power was taken away. At the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know what? Satan lost his power. He has no more power. Do we recognize as followers, as children of God, that Satan has no power in our lives? The only power that he has is what we give him. That's right. But you know what? He is a defeated enemy. He was defeated on the cross. When Jesus died, when he was raised from the dead, he was defeated. And when he said, I will convict the world of judgment, what he was telling us and what he is reminding us is, is that it is done. He is He's convicted. He is done. He's doing our, his work Amen. in us. Exactly he is doing his work in us. You know what's a beautiful uh, verse? Romans chapter 12, verses yeah, 1 I and 2. Love I love it. it. He said, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. You know, I know we don't do, sa- we don't do sacrifices. I'm assuming Church of Christ, you don't do sacrifices. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what the interesting thing we about don't. a sacrifice? We don't. That was a joke. <laughs> we don't. The interesting thing about a sacrifice? It's dead. Yeah. It's dead. Right. And look at what Jesus, or actually, excuse me, it's Paul, but look at mm-hmm. what Paul says. Mm-hmm. I urge you to be a living sacrifice. Mm. Climb on the altar. Yeah. Die. I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. There's the righteousness, not us, but God. He said, this is your spiritual act. And look at that. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Look now. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he said, then you will be able to test to approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. John, it is his work. To transform us. That's it. It's it, not us. It says be, be transformed. That's right. It doesn't say transform yourself. No, it does not. Be. It says be mm-hmm. transformed. It's a passive thing of surrendering, crawling on the altar, and then letting him do his work yes. in us. That's what it's all about right Crazy there. Thing. So that's what he's convicting us of. That's what this text says. And, and we just kind of wanted to think a little bit, how does he convict us? Yeah. A little bit practically in our own lives. How has he convicted me and you? And I'll tell you the first way that he has convicted me, and I know you as well, is natural consequences. Mm-hmm. Natural consequences. That it, it just, you know, it just happened. You, you know, you dropped it and it fell on your foot and it happened. Natural consequences. Can te- God uses those to teach us. I love what Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 8. He who sows wickedness reaps trouble. And on some level, we're all like, duh. And yet, and yet, don't we sometimes 
Don't we plant corn and expect wheat? I mean, you know, we, we, we right. sow wickedness, but we expect God to, oh, well, hey, you know. Come on, God, why'd you do that to it? me? And, and, and it's actually just natural consequences that are happening in our life. And this is what I love about God. In my life, this has been my experience, and I've seen it in so many of your lives. Yes. He does not waste. No. He does not waste a single consequence no. that comes in your life. If you'll let him, yes. if you'll let him work, when that consequence comes, he will not waste it. It won't be thrown to the side. It will matter. Amen. It will matter. He will see it as an opportunity. God will say, here's an opportunity for me to help John grow because of the natural consequences that That's are coming right. in his life right. right now. The second thing is direct discipline. Mm -hmm. Direct discipline. Because sometimes God directly, not, not through natural things, but God directly says, I'm going to discipline you right now. Look at what Hebrews says. I know this is true because Hebrews says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. What son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined, everyone under, undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children, not true sons. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us. They res we respected them for it. Well, how much more should we submit to the father of our spirit and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines, disciplines us, listen to this, for our Good. good, that we may share in his holiness. Now, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Hmm. He disciplines us sometimes. I, I relate to that. Yeah, my dad disciplined me. Oh, and me my dad, I mean, he believed in corporal punishment. My dad used a belt, and mm -hmm. he, didn't, he didn't mistreat me. Mm -hmm. I was never abused, right. but... but I mean, when I needed it, and you know, I didn't enjoy it, but I look back now, and it made me a better man. Sure, I did it. We had the we had the privilege and the opportunity of being a part of a funeral yesterday for oh, yeah, a godly Denver. man. Yeah, up yeah. in Denver, we went up there. Um, Chuck and Betty Godsword. Many of you perhaps knew them. Right after the fire, they lost everything and moved away. And, and Chuck passed away last Sunday, mm. and we had the privilege of being a part of his funeral. And it's interesting because their three kids each took part in the eulogy and shared. Cool. They shared a little bit about their dad. And it's interesting because one of the sons said, "said My dad believed in discipline. He believed in whipping us." And uh, he said, "Dad," he said, "I knew I was in trouble when Dad would say, go up to the to the bathroom. Uh -oh. uh, I'm going to be up there in just a minute.'" <laughs> and he said, "I would rush upstairs to go to the bathroom." He said, "But first, I would run into my bedroom and I'd put on six pair of underwear." <laughs> So. <laughs> I, you know that's funny that reminds me when i when i was growing up um my my dad made a paddle he made he made this wooden paddle and uh and he used it several times he would he would you know pop us on the bottom i mean on, you know on our rear end where he had some padding and uh and and i and i always deserved it and sometimes didn't get it when i did deserve yeah. it but he but he had made this paddle and i was very afraid of it and I think maybe to comfort me and help me, he wrote a scripture on it. And it said, it says, spare the rod. What? Spoil the Spoil child. Spoil the child, yep. right? Exactly. Yep. And I always wanted to turn it over and write, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. <laughs> I always wanted to do that. But I never did. But here's the deal. You know, God, God is a good father. He is. And, and, and I can remember when my kids were, were really little, and there would be times we'd be out, you know, at a restaurant or somewhere in public, and they would throw a fit like little kids do, and, they, and it would embarrass me. I'd get embarrassed. And you guys have all felt that way probably before. And I'd feel embarrassed, and there was a, there was a part of me. I would never say these words out loud, and I, would, I wouldn't even admit it, but I can now. There was a part of me that, that was like, man, you embarrassed me so bad. And I'm going to tell you something. You are going to pay <laughs> for this. 
And that's what the discipline came from. The discipline was not like to help them. It was because I'm, you know, you've made me embarrassed. You will pay for this. And that is not the way God is. No. Thank the Lord. You know why he's not that way? Because the payment has already been paid. Amen. By Christ on the cross. There's no payment left. That's right. It can't be possible. All of your sin was nailed. Every bit of it was nailed to the cross. And so there's none left. And so he's a good father. Anything he does that is discipline, and and it's hard to figure out what that is sometimes, but anything he does that's discipline is for our good and to help us become more holy. And then here's the third one that he does. This is how he convicts us, is when we read the word. When we read the word. Listen to, listen to what uh, it says in Hebrews. God's word is alive and working. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts all the way into us where the soul and spirit are joined to the center of our joints and bones. And it judges the thoughts and feelings in our hearts. Nothing in all the world can be hidden from God. Everything is clear and lies open before him, and to him we must explain the way we've lived. Now, i got to tell you, Rick, that kind of scares me. It, 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 it has scared me before, and I think nothing in all the world can be hidden from God. He sees everything. But look how it's connected. It's connected to reading his right. word. Right. That's where it's connected to. And, and we live in a time when everybody has more access to the Bible, or at least we all do in this room, more access to the Bible than in any time in the history of the world. You've all, most of you got it on your phones right now. You got it on your laptop at home. You can listen to it in your car. You can read it at home. You can read it anywhere. We've got the Bible everywhere, and yet it is so possible, and I know it's true in my life sometimes, that I can get so busy, so busy, that I don't take those moments, those just few holy moments, to listen to him because he is a good father. And you know what he knows? He knows everything about me and about you. He knows all of our doubts and our fears and isn't it amazing it's the word how many times have we said how many times have someone said man if god would just show me tell me what to do yeah. god tell me what to... he there it is he it's, did tell us it is his word right it is his word to us and he uses and it. we miss it so many times all those things the 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 sins the the temptations that we have yeah. all the things that that we struggle with all of our our circumstances the yeah. things that have happened to us in our past all the things that we are feeling ashamed of this verse says god knows all of that yes. about you and he wants just like rick just said he has a word for you yes are you stopping and listening Maybe tonight, his conviction for some of us is if we are out of the habit of reading the word, yeah. that we would recommit to start right. today and listen to him so that the Holy Spirit can convict us of what he wants in our life. And the last one is this, brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah. brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at what Paul says in 2 Timothy he says, preach the good news, be ready at all times, and tell people what they need to do. Tell them when they're wrong. Encourage them with great patience and careful teaching. Paul says, you need each other. Yes. You need to have people tell you, you're wrong. You should not do this. You need to stop. Wait, don't go that way. And you need people to encourage you when they see something in you. Yeah, that's great. Go, go, go. That's awesome. We need a community of believers, and probably all of you here have a community of believers. If there's anybody here, though, tonight that doesn't, there are six 
awesome yes. churches That's right. for you to choose from That's right. in this village. That's right. There's no excuse for you not to be a community in a community of believers. That's right. Isolation. Isolation mm. is a tool of the devil. Yes. And if you're living out there on your own, you're not living in God's plan. You're not getting the conviction from the Holy Spirit mm. that you can receive. And here's the deal, Rick. I mean, all this, whether it be natural consequences, direct discipline, whether it's reading the word or brothers and sisters in Christ, all those ways that the Holy Spirit is convicting us. Yeah. Ultimately, this is what he's doing. He's proving to us that he loves us. Isn't that amazing? And he's not shaking his finger no, he's not. in our face. No, he's not. You know, John, obviously there have been times in my life when Maybe I've had an argument with my wife, or you've had an argument with your wife. You know, uh, no, actually, that's never happened. You could tell me about that if you I want. Can, I, well, I let mean, me let me tell I, you. I, I could try to imagine that, I but that's not actually happening. Amy and I <laughs> have an argument with my wife. Times when we disagree, times when we don't see eye to eye, and at the end of it, we may still not exactly see eye to eye. But when we come together and I wrap my arms around her, whether I say it out loud or mm. or whether it's something inside, what I want to say to her is, you know, what I want to prove to you by the way that I live. That I love you. I want to prove to you by the way that I walk that I love you. That's how God loves us. It's almost as if he's wrapping his arms around us. And he's saying, you know what, I just, I, I just want to prove it to you. I just want to prove it to you. John wrote the Gospel of John, you know, the, the Apostle. Wrote the Gospel of John. And here's the, he's the Apostle of Love. And, of course, he wrote the three letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And isn't it interesting? All about love. It yeah. is. Isn't it interesting? Do you remember what John and James, his brother, were called at the beginning? Thun oh, yeah, sons of, Son of Thunder. Isn't it amazing to you the Son of Thunder became the apostle of love? Yeah, I, that's, I, that's awesome. what God does. That's right. But in, in, in 1 John, in fact, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he says this, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on <laughs> us. I love that term. I mean, we're not just talking, you know, kind of dole it out. We're talking lavishing it on us. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Amen. Amen. That is what we are. How great is that love. And you know what? He just desires to lavish it on us, to just overflowing. We all know John 3.16. It's a very important verse. But do you know 1 John chapter 3, verse 16? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. That's love. That's love. That's love. Man, Paul wrote the church at Ephesus, and he talked to husbands and wives about how we treat one another. And he said, he said to the husbands, he said, guys, you're supposed to love your wife like Christ like loved Christ. the church. Mm -hmm. Look at how Christ loved the church. Yeah. He laid down his life. Amen. And then 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, God is love. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that John would use that to describe God? He didn't say God is holy. He didn't say God is awesome. He didn't say God is omniscient or omnipotent. He said God is love. Jesus told his disciples, you know what? If you've seen me, you've seen my father. God is love. How amazing is that love? How incredible is that love? That's right. You know what? There may be some of us here tonight who have not really experienced that love. There may be some of us here tonight, and, and, and chances are most of us, we know that love and we understand that love, but 
The fact is, is there may be some of us here who have not experienced that love. Man, what an incredible way to start Mountain Family Fellowship. I, I, I appreciate it so much, Blake and, and the team from Foot of the Cross uh, as, as they led our music. And, and, and I liked that, that little video that was shown about sparking a revival. Yeah. Man, how, how amazing would it be if this really sparked revival Amen. in Lincoln County? Amen. Because if we could point back and say, you know what, Mountain Family Fellowship, wow, that's where it began. That's where one of the places where God worked. <sighs> Just where like we, we're talking about here. Where we dropped the names. Yeah. Where we dropped the, the, the you know, the signs. Right. Naz, 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 or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> where we dropped that. Man, we don't have a cool name like that, <laughs> man. There may be some of you here tonight. You know God's love, but you know what? Maybe your children mm. are not walking the way that you wish that they would walk. Sure. Or your grandchildren. What if we could trust God enough? to leave them in His hands instead of trying to take them into ours? What if we really heard God say to us, I love that son. I love that granddaughter. And you can trust me. Love is trusting. It's not always understanding. I'll be the first one to admit, I don't always understand God. But I love Him and I trust Him. I trust Him. I've got a, a, a little thing that I've used a number of times. God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be confused. When I cannot trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. Amen. Maybe tonight what we need to do is trust him. Amen. And, and there may even be some of you here tonight who, who you just say, yeah, but Rick, John, you don't know what I've done. Mm-hmm. That all sounds good, but I've gone beyond Mm -hmm. that. I've gone further than the grace of God, which Romans 5.21 says that's not possible. You cannot out-sin God's grace. But yet sometimes we do condemn ourselves. I'm too bad. I've done too much. I've gone too far. I've I've taken it too far, and I have not listened to the Holy Spirit. And we want to finish tonight with a story. And and most of you at Gateway have heard this story, but some of you haven't, and and the rest of you probably don't know this story. We want you to hear the story of a Christian woman. A Christian woman who, who, who was at a place where she felt, I'm beyond, I'm beyond God's love. I've gone too far. And yet God used all these things we've talked about tonight to draw her to him. And so I'd like to ask you guys to give a huge Mountain Family Fellowship welcome to Heather Beauchamp. Got to use this. Okay, that's fine. How are you guys doing tonight? You feel that? You feel that in here? You feel that in here? Feels great, doesn't it? Yes. Feels awesome. So I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Sean. I'm glad you're here. here. Yeah. So uh, a little over two and a half years ago, I was going to Gateway Church of Christ, and I did not like it at all. (laughs) (laughs) I could not stand it. But it wasn't because of anything that the Gateway people were doing. It was because of my own condemnation. I, was, uh, I wasn't just a sinner, I was a slave to sin. 
I was uh, eventually arrested for trafficking drugs across county lines. And I went to jail. When I first got to jail, I thought, man, I am just most so unlucky. Just so unlucky. You know, this is all these people around me, you know, it's all their fault. I didn't do this. This isn't my fault, you know. After a couple of weeks of being there and stuff, you know, I was getting bored being in the pod, so I started going to church. Started going to little church groups, you know, that they'd get out of the pod, go do something different. I started listening a little bit. I uh, started reading the Bible. People started telling me, oh, go read Romans. Go read Romans. Go read Romans. So since there's nothing else to do, I sat down and I read Romans. <laughs> Man, what a powerful book that is. Mm -hmm. yeah. it is. If you have any kind of addiction in your life or you've ever sinned once, <laughs> that book is for you. <laughs> so, you know, after a few weeks went by and I had written Gateway Church and apologized for not liking them all, you know. <laughs> well, sure, lo and behold, next week later, here comes John Duncan and his buddy, Mac McDougal, great guy. They came and visited me. First visitation I had the whole time I'd been in there. Next week, Vicki Cordova from Gateway Church came and visited me. Now she's now my good friend and Christian mentor. Only people who came and visited me. I didn't see anybody else in there. And then I got about 13, was it 13 letters from members of the church? giving me scriptures to read, giving me encouragement, giving me light. By the time that I, by the time that I got out, I had learned that, uh, you know, God had always been there. Yeah. I just wasn't listening. Mm. I just wasn't listening. Between the, the Christians from Gateway and the Christians who went down and did their thing down at the jailhouse down there, I spent six months in that jail listening to these people, finally listening to God. Okay. He had a plan for me. I didn't know it. I had no idea what it was. I still don't know what it is. <laughs> but I know it wasn't that. <laughs> you know? So, you know, I, you know, I eventually took responsibility for my past sin. You know? And then I gave it to God. Yeah. Gave it to him. Yeah. Got out of jail. Within 12 hours, I was down at Gateway Church of Christ. <laughs> A couple weeks later, I was baptized by John. A few months later, I was married to my husband. Yeah, and it's just been the best thing ever and he used my sin to bring me closer yeah. to him mm. amen he used that can you imagine that <laughs> it's awesome imagine he can use anything yeah. he's god it's yeah. wonderful <laughs> so now i now i'm no longer a slave amen. i'm free i'm free in christ amen amen, amen. amen. i actually i actually had a girl the other day at work she has no idea my past she just walks up to me and she goes, you know what? You're an inspiration. I Whoa. said, you, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I would like to thank you all for listening to my story. Um, you know, this place right here is just yeah. the greatest thing. I came here last year. I, I have to work a lot, so I only get to get little pieces of it. But I have never felt anything in my life as strong as this wow. right here. This Amen. is great. This is Amen. grand. Thank you guys for doing it. Amen. So, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. By the way, John, I, did, I didn't practice any of that like you told me to. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just asked God to give me the words. Well, he's awesome. He did very good he through did. you. That was Amen. very, that was awesome. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to 
prove to you yes, he does. how much he loves you, yeah. how much God loves you. Isn't this, this story yeah. is proof. Your story is proof. That's right. God loves us. Rick, let's pray. Father, wow, you don't waste anything, even our sin, our pride, our good works, you don't waste a thing. And what you desire to do is to wrap your arms around us and say, I love you. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to show you. Lord, may this be the beginning of what you desire, not what we want, not what we desire, but Lord, of what you want. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for uh, Heather. Thank yes. you for your restoration. Thank you. For your redemption. For your renewal. You are good. Yes. We love you. We praise you tonight. And all of us from all different churches pray in one name. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. We're going to have one more song, I think. Blake, come on back up. We're going to have another song, and then we'll Amen. be dismissed. And we'll, after these songs, we'll be dismissed, and we'll see you in the morning. Uh, We're going to have pie. Wait, 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 wait. Don't push us away. I was going to eat those pies. No, 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 no. We oh, are going to Oh, okay. Have All pie. right. You're invited to come <laughs> coffee and pie right down here at the, uh, at the RV park, and then we'll see you right back here in the morning Yes. at whatever time the schedule says, because I don't have one in front of me. So... <laughs>